as hard as this is for everyone, as hard as it will be to hear some of these details, I believe that the public needs to see these reports. You need to know exactly what I know. You deserve to know what I know as Premier. That's why I ordered these reports to be released in their entirety. All right, there's Premier Ford last hour here on Global News Radio. A troubling report that finds in Ontario's long-term care homes a lack of cleanliness, cockroaches at some homes, members of the military that's uh, whose accounts this report is based on say that they saw residents left in soiled diapers in rooms. They also cited infection and quality care issues, also witnessed inadequate nutrition, and say that they also saw some aggressive behavior in some homes. Let's welcome in Marissa Lennox. She's the Chief Policy Officer at the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, and she joins us now here on Global News Radio. Marissa, appreciate the time as always. Happy to be here. All right. First off, uh, we've just been asking uh, the audience and taking some of their phone calls, listeners' calls here, and I'm going to ask you the same question. Does any of what you heard here this afternoon surprise you? No, it doesn't. Uh, we've known a lot. Uh, we've known about a lot of these challenges in long-term care. Um, things like meds being out of date are not uncommon. Um, uh, you know, forceful eating. Uh, certainly, you know, COVID. The, the stories around uh, that are unique to COVID nineteen. So, an inability to effectively quarantine people that are wandering, or obviously with the four bedroom wards. Those are challenges that are somewhat unique to to the to the pandemic. But you know, no follow up on incidents of bleeding before this pandemic. We had stories of people being in you know, confined to their rooms, infested with bed bugs, stories of people dying of malnutrition and dehydration. Um, so in many ways, this is a repeat of what a lot of what we've known already. I will say, um, you know, one of the things that I think the public will be waking up to is sort of this culture of fear to use supplies that cost money. Um, that is something that I think a lot of people may not know about, but that is very prevalent in homes, supplies under lock and key, wipes for PSWs not being used. Not all homes, but certainly some of the ones that have performed more poorly. There's no question that this is something that is common. Is that a problem more particular to private-run facilities, which are profit-based, as opposed to those that are run by public health? That seems to be what's coming to light. Um, there have always been more challenges in for-profit facilities than in not-for-profit facilities. Higher rates of hospitalization, um, higher mortality rates, um, higher rates of bed ulcers. Uh, these are things that we've known not just in Canada but around the world. Uh, there have been numerous studies on it. <clears throat> And uh, obviously, the Toronto Star came out with a report a few weeks ago that said patients in for-profit facilities are four times more likely to die from COVID than in not-for-profit. So um, I do think that that's a huge factor. I don't think people should be in the money-making business when it comes to taking care of, of uh, uh, you know, older adults. I want to share with you one email because uh, we are getting huge reaction to this, uh, both online and on the air here. And one email that got sent to me in the last 20 minutes, Marissa, reads in part, it's just so sad it took the army to bring to surface the issues of our long-term facilities. No one in any government cannot say that they were not aware of these problems. They should have been addressed years ago. Why did it take the military to bring this all to light, do you think? 
Well, again, I mean, the, our politicians are, they are legitimately saddened. It, it, you, you saw the premier holding back tears there, but they certainly cannot pretend to be shocked by this report. Um, there's no excuse for that. We've been raising, you know, the alarm about the, the horrible conditions in some long-term care facilities for some time with, um, you know, that's what happens to a system that is starved of resources. Um, inadequate staffing levels, um, inadequate training, so on and so forth. <clears throat> and so, you know, I think this report from the military um, obviously gets the attention of the public, but I don't, I don't, I won't accept that our politicians can be shocked by a report like this because, you know, these are challenges we've known about for too long. Okay. So why do you believe that this has fallen on deaf ears from our leaders for so long? It's a question that, you know, ultimately I think what it boils down to is, 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 is outright ageism. You know, people don't like to think about long-term care. They don't like to talk about long-term care. Most people don't think they're, they'll end up in long-term care. And that's true. Um, a majority of people won't end up in long-term care. But it means that long-term care is somewhat of an afterthought for people. Um, and here we are. You know, I don't blame the Ontario government or any existing provincial government for the, you know, what's gone on. I do blame successive governments um, uh, you know, we have a moral responsibility to care for our most vulnerable members of society. Um, and it's not the duty of any one government to do it, but all governments, federal included, to, to step up to the challenge and to, and to fix the system. If you were to sit down, Marissa, and have dinner with the Premier tonight, what would you tell him is the number one thing to do that would immediately make a difference, make long-term care better? Well... There's a laundry list of challenges in long-term care. Um, so I guess what I would say is we need to completely turn long-term care on its head and we need to stop splitting hairs over what the government funds, what governments, provincial governments are responsible for paying for and shifting as much of the cost to the individual. We need to invest in these facilities um, because right now there's just no dignity or respect for the residents living in them. Uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to pull punches. It's the, hor the report was horrible, and I'm glad that it's come to light, and I'm glad that the province is making it public uh, because people need to see that. But, but we really need to sit down and have a long look at, uh, a good look rather, at you know, what it means to care for a population that is aging. And, and that means not only investing in these facilities, but also looking at alternative ways of caring for an older population. And that means investing in home care, which is ultimately where people want to be. All right. Should the industry be taken over by public health entirely? Would that help fix the system? Well, I don't know about that. Um, I, I, I don't. I do agree that we should eliminate for-profit facilities. There's no question. Um, but uh, you know, do the, should, to the extent that it be taken over by government, I'm not so sure. I do think that there is a need for long-term care services both institutional care and home care um, to be brought either under the Canada Health Act, where you can raise standards that way, or perhaps establish a separate piece of legislation uh, that coincides sort of with the, with the, law, with the Canada Health Act, um, and then you can create national standards that way. Um, but I do think we need national standards, and I don't believe it's acceptable that, you know, depending on someone's postal code, they might have access to better facilities than others. 
Joined by Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, as we're discussing this damning report that has just been made public here this afternoon regarding long-term care in the province. I wanted to ask you as well, uh, Marissa, the Ford government has been under some fire for not calling a public inquiry into long-term care. Should there be one, do you think? I do. Um, you know, CARP was very seriously considered calling for one as well. Um, I think timing is, is, is vitally important at this point, but there's no question that, you know, we need to have, look, there, we know a lot of the challenges in long-term care facilities, and so there, there's a need to address those immediately. On the other hand, what a public inquiry would do is allow us to answer some of the questions that we don't know, answer some of those unknowns. So things like, you know, does it make sense to eliminate for-profit facilities? Um, does it make sense to, uh, because, you know, that's a question that's up for debate at, the, at this time. I, I have my opinion. Other people have, have theirs. You know, there's obviously questions about whether or not it's sustainable to eliminate for-profit facilities. So those are, one, those are some of the big questions that I think would be answered by an inquiry um, that ought to be answered. But it doesn't preclude the government from acting now, from effecting real change, from creating change in these, in these institutions right now, change that needs to be happen, that needs to happen. I mean, we, we need to make sure these facilities are adequately staffed in the meantime. We need to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the people going into these, these facilities to care for the most vulnerable members know what they're doing, that they're trained to do so, that they're trained to use PPE, that they're trained in, in infection and prevention control. We need to stop the wandering. We need to have a hard look at, you know, four-bedroom wards. Why are some of these facilities continuing to operate with four-bedroom wards or potentially entire wings of a long-term care floor limited to one bathroom? How do you in prevent the spread of an infection when dozens of people are using one bathroom? So um, I guess to go back to your, to your question, I do think an, an inquiry is the, is the right move. I think that's an important distinction to make, though. There are some issues because this just can't wait, and that is the concern of many and critics of a public inquiry, that these things take years and it kind of stalls any progress that can be made. But to your point, there are issues that can be dealt with immediately and need to be dealt with, and then the inquiry, Marissa, can take care of those kind of more big-picture items? That's exactly right. It does not preclude the government from acting immediately. Now, the government is... Um, has called for a commission. Uh, in some ways, this would be, you know, m more efficient insofar as the, the results will, will come sooner. We all remember the public inquiry that looked into, um, you know, the, the deaths in long-term care from Elizabeth Wettlaufer. It, 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 it's so disappointing that, you know, of those 91 recommendations, only a handful had been actually implemented before this pandemic. Started and then, of course, you know that whole process has been stalled. So, at the end of the day, we need something that's going to lead to real change. And you know, I'm hopeful that this government actually does want to. You know, Premier keeps saying he'll move heaven and earth. So, you know, I'm hopeful that either the results from a commission or maybe he moves to a public inquiry, something that's a little more thorough and robust, actually does cause him to to totally change the system but in the meantime we need to address some of those challenges that we all know about that have existed for so long um, around you know staffing and training so on and so forth 
Well, to that end, and the Premier, you're right, said he will move heaven and earth, but there's an infamous phrase, of course, there's no problem that money can't fix, but is the money there? If this uh, long-term care, if long-term care needs an influx of cash post-COVID, post-pandemic, is it going to be there? Because as we know, governments have already gone into historic amounts of debt, Marissa. So is that a concern for you and the Canadian Association of Retired Persons that perhaps the resources just aren't there? I think that you know, we can't afford to not address this issue. I mean, the alternative, um, you know, in the absence of a proper long-term care system and, frankly, a proper home care system is we spend far more money on acute care services and acute care resources, which are far more costly. So we're doing things backwards. Um, you know, we shouldn't have a 15, I think it's 15% of people in, in alternate level of care beds in hospitals, which is far more costly than either putting them in a long-term care residence or actually meeting their needs at home. The question is, can we afford not to? Just finally, I want to ask you, uh, Marissa, I think we're all saddened. I know you are. I am. The Premier certainly was emotional during his press conference uh, this afternoon. We're all saddened. We're all sickened by what this report uh, has found. But is there perhaps a bit of light, a shining light in this report in that, yes, finally people are taking this seriously, and you think that this really is a day of change, that moving forward we are going to see people people take this seriously and change will finally happen? I hope so. Um, You know, the fear is always that we'll revert to the status quo. Um, And that certainly happened after the Elizabeth Wetlawfer inquiry. Um, And so... Um, but, you know, it, it does sound like the premier and the two health ministers, health, the health minister and the minister of long term care um, are legitimately committed to fixing this system. Um, but it'll require cooperation with the federal government as well. And um, and so it sounds like the you know, prime minister is interested in, in engaging in those discussions. And I think that that's, you know, that's a, that's a first good step, a, you know, a good first step. All right, Marissa, a uh, long conversation, but an important one. And I thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. You as well. That is Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at the Canadian Association of Retired Persons.